Today's LGBTQ Off the Grid is made possible in part by our members and the USU Access and Diversity Center, creating and affirming a supportive environment for LGBTQA+, multicultural, and non-traditional students. Information at accesscenter.usu.edu and the Utah State University Center for Women and Gender, providing a professional and social climate to enhance opportunities through learning, discovery, and engagement. Information at womenandgender.usu.edu. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. A formerly homeless man tries to help young people in southern Utah. A transgender person in Brigham City finds community in a coven of witches. A gay Navajo man finally decides to leave the reservation to escape the loneliness. And in a suburb of Salt Lake City, a family turns to a Mormon tradition on its head to find fellowship. Those are descriptions of episodes from the UPR original series LGBTQ Off the Grid, which is broadcasting through mid-March. In fact, the latest episode premieres today in All Things Considered and runs tomorrow in Morning Edition. The series explores the often unseen and unaddressed aspects of rural life for LGBTQ community uh, individuals and their families. We're going to explore those issues on the program today. And there's an event coming up uh, in this series. That is tomorrow evening, beginning at 5, and then running through the evening in the Lundstrom Student Center on the USU campus. Everyone's invited to that event. And uh, our panel here, most of our panel here today, will be involved in that event tomorrow night. Uh, so again, uh, beginning at 5 o'clock, running through the evening, Lundstrom Student Center on the USU campus. You're invited. That's tomorrow night. Um, and we point you uh, to the, uh, the series of features that's uh, running, LGBTQ Off the Grid. And we're partnering with Andrea Smartin with Changing Our Stories podcast, who's uh, hosting producing and hosting the, the series, and we bring her on uh, by telephone. Andrea Smartin, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to, good to have you with us. We've been enjoying the series, and uh, the latest one uh, will be premiering, as I said, this afternoon, running tomorrow as well. Um, and you can find uh, all of this at Changing Our Stories uh, podcast. ChangingOurStories.com, Andrea? Yes. Changing, uh, sorry, ChangingOurStories.org. .org. ChangingOurStories.org. Uh, in studio, we uh, have with us... Um, Brion Nielsen. She's a doctoral student working with Dr. Ann Austin, a director of the USU Center for Women and Gender, and uh, Brion currently teaches the Women in Leadership class at Utah State. She's a native of northern Utah, originally from uh, Bear River City, which is a, a fairly small place. So you're rural bona fides, right? Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, lived in Logan for the past 14 years. She's an advocate for equality and social justice and uh, welcomes the opportunity to expand the conversation regarding LGBTQ individuals, particularly in Utah. So, Brion, welcome to the program. Thank you. And we have with us um, Jean Hibner and Darren Wold. They are Cash Valley Dairy Farmers. Uh, your operation's in Menden, Correct. I understand. We uh, met uh, Jean Hibner through our Utah Works series. Um, and uh, Jean and uh, Darren are married and uh, live, live there. Um, and when they're not farming, they're in Italy. Right. <laughs> so you, you guys just got back. Right. Uh, that's that's yes. the life, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we welcome uh, everyone uh, to, to the program. Uh, let me start with uh, Andrea. Uh, as you approached this series, what sorts of issues uh, were top of your mind? Or what, what, have you, what has surprised you, of you as you've explored these issues? Mm. Well, I got interested in it because... Um, well, several things. I, I think the, 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 the phrase off the grid that we, we named the series LGBTQ off the grid, I've been hearing about people um, 
down in uh, sort of more uh, Utah County or south of Utah County or on Spanish Fork area that that there were uh, people who were basically homeless LGBTQ people, some of them young, maybe young adults, who were sort of living off the grid, living in the canyons, um, and sort of disconnected from society. And I got interested in, in what was going on there. So we often hear about, you know, the urban centers. We hear about Salt Lake City and Ogden and Provo and that valley. And there's there's kind of a lot of an, an influx of resources there for the LGBT population. There's homeless centers for youth. There's, uh, in Provo now has a new center called Encircle. Ogden also has a homeless youth center. Uh, there's the Pride Center in Utah. So there's a lot of kind of attention in that urban corridor. And I got interested in what happens for LGBT people in um, more isolated areas and where there aren't the same resources. And because um, we know they're there, right? Uh, and at the same time, we have we hear about these concerningly high suicide rates among um, LGBT people and especially LGBT young people. And I, I was especially concerned about young people because they may not have the wherewithal to move to Salt Lake City, you know, when they're uh, growing up with their families. So, so that's where it started for me, just that curiosity. And, and where can we, how can we hear these voices that we don't normally hear? Well, this would be a good time to bring in. I wanted to play uh, just the, the opening minute from the latest episode from Off the Grid. And uh, you're talking here with Moroni Benali. Uh, again, this will premiere uh, this afternoon in All Things Considered and then again in Morning Edition tomorrow. Uh, so let's just hear this, the first minute of this latest episode. This is Andrea Smartin. When I see young people walking around, maybe hand in hand, I mean, my heart kind of skips a beat, not because of excitement or happiness, but because of fear. Today's episode is a glimpse into what it's like to be gay in the Navajo Nation and why many LGBTQ Navajos decide to leave the reservation. Moroni Banali lives in Salt Lake City now. He's an academic and activist. And he once ran for president of the Navajo Nation. After he lost the election, he struggled with the decision to leave. A note in this story, Navajos are also called Diné, but in my interview with Moroni, he generally used the term Navajo, so I'm following suit. I met Moroni outside the Urban Indian Center in Salt Lake City. I asked him what it was like being gay on the reservation. It's really lonely because, at least for me, I had to drive to like Albuquerque or uh, heaven forbid, Salt Lake City or Phoenix or just somewhere out of that place to kind of feel a sense of community and to feel a sense of safety just to say I'm gay. So that's just uh, the, the opening to taste and you'll you'll get the rest uh, later today and then, of course, tomorrow. Um, and then you can find these uh, on, on the podcast, of course, uh, changingourstories.org. Uh, so Andrea uh, Moroni Benali, uh, he was raised uh, LDS, right? Um, that was part That's of the right. part of the story here, and he he talked about, I guess, one aspect: lonely. He if, he if he wanted to find community, LGBTQ community, he he had to drive long distance. That's right, um, and and I was I've encountered this a lot in these stories. I, mean, I think there's a, a special kind of isolation on the Navajo Nation which uh, is definitely experienced by LGBTQ people, but is exacerbated by the fact that they're isolated in a lot of ways, um, and especially in terms of accessing resources and education. 
so you find this sort of exodus of a lot of young people from the reservation, but it's it's extremely pronounced in the LGBTQ population. Um, but um, an interesting thing, I, I, I was really interested in this story because I, I had heard um, stories about how Navajos have a sort of special respect for what they call um, a, a term that's often used as two-spirit people. It's kind of a general term that a lot of American indigenous tribes use to um, describe people that are like have alternative genders or sexualities. They have sort of a bigger picture of gender and sexuality that's different maybe from uh, whites or, or Christians. And that all changed with white settlers and Christian indoctrination. So uh, Navajo Nation so and, and Moroni in particular was dealing with not only sort of the cultural uh, environment there on the Navajo Nation, but this sort of added uh, element of what has Christian indoctrination done to the Navajo Nation? So he's sort of grappling with all of those things. We bring in uh, Brion uh, Nielsen. Uh, how did you get, so small town, Bear River City, yes. not a large place. How did you get involved in thinking about these issues and uh, becoming an advocate? That's a really great question. <clears throat> um, I also have been raised in the LDS um, community, and I, I still align myself with that religion. And for me, very much the teachings of the LDS faith kind of drove me to have an open heart towards these individuals. You know, I was raised with principles of loving one another and bearing one another's burdens and withholding judgment. And for that, I'm very grateful that I was raised with that attitude. And so as I've encountered through a number of things, um, different individuals who identify as LGBTQ, um, one of the things that I have found very helpful for me is just to be an open listener. Um, and, and kind of on my journey to becoming an ally was to be willing to hear their stories. And, and they're all unique. Um, the first one, of course, being so my first husband, who passed away about 12 years ago, actually identified as bisexual. And, you know, just to be open to listening to his story and and the, the challenges that it brought to him and how he chose to navigate that. Um, and, and for me, the biggest blessing that it was to him was simply that I was willing to listen and not panic and not, you know, but to give him an outlet for these things that he's just been holding and wanting to discuss for so long. And as, you know, kind of in preparation for this event coming up, I reached out to some of my other um, friends and family who identify as LGBTQ and asked them, and, and that was kind of a resounding theme for them, is that something that's helpful um, coming from an ally is a listening ear um, without judgment or without prescription for what to do, but as an outlet for these things that very often they have silently been dealing with for most of their lives. And to have someone, I, I had one of my friends, I was speaking with one of my friends who identifies as a trans woman yesterday, and she said, having someone listen to me was like a tall drink of cold water. I had just been parched for all of my life wanting to talk about this. And so having this listen, a listening ear is so refreshing and just what she needed. Hmm. Let me turn to uh, Gina and Darren. Um, and uh, if you uh, come, we hope you will uh, tomorrow night, beginning at five o'clock, running through the evening, uh, Utah Public Radio's LGBTQ off the grid outreach event. That's at uh, uh, Lundstrom Student Center on the USU campus. Uh, one of the uh, the main um, events there in, in that event will be a screening of the uh, film Out Here, 
which is uh, described by its organizers as uh, a uh, exploring uh, queer farmers. So it's called the Queer Farmer uh, Film Project. They went out and uh, and uh, talked to LGBTQ uh, individuals who are farming. Um, it it doesn't. It doesn't fit a stereotype that we have, right? It's it's surprising with people. I imagine your neighbors, when they when they learn uh, junior sexual orientation, maybe a little surprised. Well, I don't know because I was raised in Menden, so. Oh, you I, were raised in Menden. Okay. So I've been there longer than most of the residents that are alive now, because of my age. But uh, uh, they've been very. I, I guess it's just that they've known me my whole life, and they probably figured out I was gay before I did. You know, a lot of times this happens in life. Being raised in a very small community, this was in the 60s, early 60s, well, late 50s, early 60s when I was a child, I knew nothing about homosexuality. Gays never heard of them, you know. Um, and clear, I w- went through a, I was raised LDS. I went through what I call my religious period. Um, I was sent out on a mission to Italy. Therefore, now you see why we go back. To oh, that's Italy. that's your connection. <laughs> that's okay, our connection. all right. Um, and uh, I still, I still didn't know that I was gay. I, I did finally in Italy figure out that um, Italians are dressed very well. They're beautiful people. Their clothing is exquisite. And I did find out while in mission in Italy that I paid more attention to the male Italians than mm. I did the female ones. And mm. so maybe the inklings began. So I was a late bloomer, as in most things in my life. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so Darren, you, I think you're not a native of Menden. I'm not. I, uh, I grew up in small towns and military bases. My father okay. worked for the U.S. government. Um, I came here to USU to go to school and met Jean and then moved back to a small farm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Where, you, you guys met at USU? Did at you? USU here, yeah. At, at USU. Um, in what, what, what era would that have been? 83? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're really good with this. <laughs> 83, yeah. <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is uh, what, um, what was the climate like? What was the atmosphere like at uh, USU? Would, would that have been welcomed? to see Gene and uh, Darren together? Uh, no, no, it wouldn't have been. Um, that was just about the period that the, um, uh, the, 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 the gay alliance was born. Um, and there was some resistance at that time uh, on campus. Um, but... It, I, I don't know. It, you know, it's been so long now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we really can't remember right, that way. Yeah. I'm and uh, what's uh, what's what's the reaction of the neighbors? They just accept Darren and Jean, and uh, they're our neighbors and they're fellow farmers. I think for the most part nowadays yeah. they do. Mm-hmm. We have a lot, lot a lot, lot of young people in, in the neighborhood now, mm-hmm. and and they're they're quite accepting. Um, Back in the early days, uh, some of the older people weren't quite as accepting, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot what, of them came around. What was that like? How did that manifest itself? Oh, I remember one time a young fellow lived in the neighborhood, which means four or five blocks away. But, you know, um, we were going by, and he yelled, 
faggot or queer or something, you know. But he was a young oh, teenager, I don't know. Um, but I guess my life, I sort of live... My mother once told me that I had to live in reality, and I objected to that. Sometimes I don't... I just sort of float along, I think. Um, but yeah, there were times, but nothing horrible, really. Mm. And like, again, I said, I think my being a native, born there, raised there, gave an advantage to us to had someone just moved in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I want to turn back to Andrew, then we'll go to break. Um, Andrew, the, especially the young people you're, you're talking to, I'll get Brian's, uh, Brian's uh, take on this as well. But Andrea, um, in, especially in rural areas, uh, is our LGBTQ youth finding acceptance or are they uh, feel, I guess some of them feel the need to, to move. Yeah, and I, I guess it depends on where you look. Um, I'm just thinking about the first story I did was in the St. George area, and I talked, uh, the story is focused on one on one man's um, uh, sort of life struggle, <laughs> where uh, he was a, a young man who found himself, uh, he went to Salt Lake City because uh, he wasn't accepted at home, and uh, he ended up homeless in Salt Lake City, and then he found the Utah Pride Center, and from there, he was able to start sort of advocating and found a purpose in life. Um, and and now he lives in southern Utah in St. George and is trying to help the young people there. And he says uh, they're kind of invisible. And I tried uh, reaching out, and it was even hard to sort of reach out and find them to talk to, <laughs> to be honest. As a reporter, it was a challenge. Um, I found several people who were who are not homeless, but who were dealing with some of these issues of not being accepted by their families or having to sort of struggle through that. Um, and they all said that it's very sort of closeted community. It's, it's very conservative. Uh, uh, it tends to lean older, the population, because there's a, it's kind of a retirement community. And so there's, there's a lot of kind of silence and isolation. There's a lot of in the closet. There's, they talked about, um, the dating scene is really hard because it all happens sort of in these online uh, hookup kind of um, scenarios, which um, for people who are looking for like a healthy relationship or just to date regularly, it sort of doesn't work out that way for them. Uh, so there's, and, and, and then there's a lot of risks for the youth that end up homeless. They end up in crime, um, sex trafficking. Um, those are some of the risks um, because, you know, it's just, ways of surviving, um, finding community to survive in. Uh, so, so yeah, there's, there's a, a lot going on there, but I, I think that, um, in particular St. George, I got this impression that it was still very closeted. They're just having a fledgling kind of, um, pride group. They've had a couple of events over the past couple of years. So they're just at the beginning stages of trying to build a kind of community that has some sort of public faith. Hmm. So, Brianna, I saw you shaking your head up and down with a lot of what Andrea was saying. This jives yeah. with your experience and the people you talk to? Yeah, it does. As I've talked to a lot of um, the individuals that I know, many of them from r- rural Utah, and almost without deviation, they did leave before even fully coming out. Um, you know, they're just in some of those rural areas, they don't have access to resources and support. And very much in telling their stories, just this feeling of being very alone, very isolated, um, kind of as Andrea said, and 
As a result, also, most of those that I know had a coming out experience much later in life than maybe some of their more urban peers, um, very often into their early 30s before they came out and kind of um, embraced their identity and decided how they wanted to navigate that. And so having to go through their youth without resources and without support um, very often led to very common um, occurrences of depression and other mental illness, and once again, without resources and without support to help them through that. And honestly, the each individual story I hear is quite heart-wrenching. Um, and, and luckily, they have in general found those resources later in life and found the support, found a community <clears throat> where they feel accepted and, and starting to welcome some joy into their life as a result of that. Um, but... For me, I've shed many a tear over their stories as I as I hear, and I think that's one reason it's important to listen to these stories, because um, being an ally and not identifying myself as LGBTQ, you know, I can't speak on behalf of them. But to me, each story that I hear it just helps my understanding a little bit more, and gives me more of a desire to open my heart to them to be the support that I can when they're not being able to find that support um, in other locations. You know, there's such a need for that. Let's uh, go to break. Um, and when we come back, we'll uh, have more with our panel here. And we're previewing a panel that'll be happening um, tomorrow night, beginning at 5 o'clock, Lundstrom Student Center on the USU campus, LGBTQ Off the Grid, a community event. And uh, Gene Hibner and Darren Wold, who are Cache Valley Dairy Farmers, join us here. They'll be on the panel. Brion Nielsen, a doctoral student working with Dr. Ann Austin in, in the uh, USU Center for Women and Gender, will be on the panel as well. And we have with us uh, on the phone Andrea Smartin, who's our partner. She's uh, host of Changing Our Stories podcast. You can find that at changingourstories.org. And she's producing the uh, very fine features that you're hearing the latest one, featuring Moroni Benali from the Navajo Nation, uh, will premiere this afternoon on uh, Utah Public Radio. More following the break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Uh, we're talking about LGBTQ issues, especially in rural Utah. And uh, we have a UPR original series going right now, LGBTQ Off the Grid which is produced and hosted by Andrea Smartin, who we have on the line. She is a host of uh, the podcast, Changing Our Stories. You can find her podcast at changingourstories.org. And uh, we have with us uh, several panelists who will be part of an event tomorrow night, Thursday night, uh, beginning at 5 o'clock. Uh, Gene Hibner is with us. He is Cache Valley uh, dairy farmer. His husband, uh, Darren Wold, has stepped out right now, uh, probably taking care of some farm business, I'm guessing. But he'll be back, hopefully. Um, and we have with us um, Brion Nielsen, who's a doctoral student working with Dr. Ann Austin, uh, director of the USU Center for Women and Gender. Um, and uh, you are welcome to join this conversation. We'd love to hear your story. I'd love to get your comment on uh, this topic. You can call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com is the way to, uh, to email us. Um, so, uh, Andrew Smartin, it's uh, it, fascinating just to read the sentences here, the descriptions of the episodes in this uh, very fine series, LGBTQ Off the Grid. We've talked about a formerly homeless man helping uh, young people in southern Utah. Today's episode, premiering today, a gay Navajo man finally decides to leave the reservation to escape the loneliness. 
I'm interested in this one. Um, this will be coming up. In a suburb of Salt Lake City, a family turns a Mormon tradition on its head to find fellowship. Yeah. Um, this, uh, this is a, a family, uh, a Mormon family. I guess there's a, there's kind of a theme you might notice through a lot of these stories. Um, a lot of people trying to... Um, uh, let's see, Andrea, you're cutting, you're cutting out a little bit. Maybe you put it closer to your mouth, the phone. Uh, still cutting out. Well, we'll come back to uh, Andrew with that. I want to ask um, Gene and Darren about uh, community. Um, so kind of different experiences, right? Gene, you were raised in Menden. Yeah. And uh, you, you said that you, I guess the community was supportive. Maybe they knew before you did. They may have. Out. Um, if they'd have told me, it would have saved me a lot of time. It would have saved you a lot of time, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it sounds like a fairly good, you know, not not too bad of an experience. No, it wasn't. Um, when I finally came to the realization I was gay, of course, I was a student back here at Utah State. And uh, I found friends, gay friends, uh, and they were a big help in coming out, realizing who I was. Um, but now that you make me go back in the records of my life, there were times that, yeah, depression hit. Um, and of course, you have to understand, it took me 10 years to get a BA at Utah State. <laughs> I so sort of... Fellow travel took me 15. So, oh, yeah, good. So I'm, go. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> I would come and go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were times you would get very depressed and you felt very alone. Luckily, I said, I found good friends at Utah State. Um, and then also, luckily, Darren and I got together and that really helped. Um, you have someone to go through life with, yeah. someone to help you. Right. Uh, so, Darren, you said you were, um, I guess, an army brat. You were, you, you know, uh, <laughs> base, base to base. So you had kind of a different experience, uh, sort of a, a new community every once, you know, every so often. Quite often, quite often. Um, but I did grow up Mormon, um, so I had that to deal with. Um, but we've we've both had supportive families. Um, that that has helped quite a bit. Um, but coming to USU was was my opportunity to find myself and and find community. Yeah. Um, interesting how you phrase that. You were Mormon. You had that to deal with. What did tell me? Tell um, me more about how how you navigated that. Well, all the expectations that that um, friends, family, um, when that's your community, all the expectations that they have of you, or or for you, and and to to say this that's not for me, and to and to deal with the the hurt feelings and the broken expectations. Mm. So. And he said. Family's been very supportive. His parents have been great, but I'm, I'm quite sure that um, I am not the daughter-in-law that his mother was looking right. for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, un undoubtedly. <laughs> How did each of your families deal with that? Go ahead. <laughs> I, I think um, my parents. I think for the the most difficult part for my parents was the age difference. Um, Jean's thirteen years older than I am. Um, I think that was the worst part for my parents. That, that was the worst part, really? Yeah. Really? I, I the the so. age difference. Okay. Yeah. And with my family, my mother, my father passed away 
shortly after we got together. Um, with my mother, it was a, we don't talk about this. So it just didn't exist. Um, but the interesting thing there is, she's passed, of course. As her latter years, she began to treat us as a couple. She would give my sisters Christmas presents to get and their husbands, and then she would give us Christmas presents as a couple. As a couple. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, another interesting note, when my mom was in the hospital dying, um, Darren was the last person she spoke to. <laughs> <laughs> she ignored the rest of us. Okay. <laughs> well, that's yeah, a lie. Sure. She didn't ignore us. But yeah. um, I think she finally accepted, but her way of dealing with that was we just don't discuss it, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, not an unusual. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I wonder for, for both your parents, maybe first for, for you too, as you've navigated that, you'd, you would have LDS beliefs. You would have the LDS culture that you were used to. And then navigating your way, I guess, at a certain point out of that. What was that like? It was a slow, slow, uh, pro, uh, slow movement. Um, well, for, for me, it was even slower and more. Um, like I said, I went out to Italy in mission for Mormons. Um, found out I was gay, came back, etc. And I, I became a member of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, which is odd that you send a Mormon missionary to Italy and they come back a Catholic, you know. And, um, and I, because you have that religious part of your life that you seem to need, and, uh, and I really like the spectacle, the show of Catholicism. Um, but, of course, I've basically left that too um, because we're, it's not that, yeah, we're not really welcome, um, especially when they did this so last thing about uh, children of gay couples cannot be da-da-da-da. And, of course, I'm saying, but why would you want your children baptized into a church who doesn't like you, you know? But that's their thing. But at that point, it became like, no, we, we really don't want you people. And it was like, fine, I will continue to associate with Mormons who are nice and I mean we just accept each other as people you know and that's okay but it takes a while for you to break those ties and and you're always Mormon I guess until you die because certain things in you it, your background you just have to the, the background yeah, yeah. Uh, Brion then I want to go back to Andrea um, so so you're kind of on you know you're in the church you're, I am, and, yes. and but you're you're talking with you're lending a listening ear uh, you're an ally, yeah. and I guess some of your friends might be in the church, out of the church, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's been very interesting to talk to them about their relationship with the church. Um, the majority of the individuals I know who do identify as LGBTQ do have that LDS background, and each of them have kind of navigated that in a different way. And it's a very personal journey, I find, as they, you know, like Jean said, they always have pieces of that because this is how they were raised. and. And my um, area of research being child development, I very much study the impact of early childhood years and, and growing up years on our adult lives. And, um, you know, that doesn't disappear. And so as I've, I've spoken with some of my, my friends in the LGBTQ community, like I say, it's a very personal journey, and each of them navigated. One of my friends, originally from Grouse Creek, Utah. That's a and, very small place. Yes, yeah. a very small town, and, and he is gay and has a wonderful partner now um, and lives outside of Utah. But he 
gave me some terminology that really resonated with me to understand that journey. And he said, you know, I had to learn to separate religiosity from spirituality and to learn that spiritually I could hold to the beliefs and the faith that were really important to me and let some of the religiosity pieces go and and find my peace. And I think that's something that has carried across stories that I've heard. Um, again, the outcomes all look very different. Some people really hold to the values and principles that they were raised with in the LDS church and some kind of set those aside completely opting for, you know, a new, a new place for themselves as they, as they've come out. Um, and it varies. And I think on my end, the most important thing has been to again, not judge. And, and they've been so respectful of me and my choice to stay active in the church and, and embrace those things that are important to me. And I think that mutual respect of one another's choices and how we are navigating life has been what allows us to have these rich friendships and relationships and be a support to one another because they definitely are supportive of me as well with the different trials that I have navigated through life. So that's mm. kind of the theme that I've noticed. Okay. Uh, Andrew, before the, the phone line cut out, uh, you were you were telling us the story. This is an upcoming episode, and this keeps with the theme that we've been talking about here. Yes, it does. Um, it started with a family uh, with a, a Kind of, I think he was a preteen at the time who was re- realizing that he was gay, and they were a LDS church attending family, and he started um, hearing things at church that that uh, were hurtful um, to him, and he decided he didn't want to go anymore. And he talked to his parents about being gay and not going to church, and his parents basically decided that they weren't going to go to church anymore either, um, and. They uh, actually picked up and moved uh, to a suburb of Salt Lake City, but what they missed was the community, the social network and support and their neighbors knowing their kids, And because the LDS church is so integrated into people's social lives and communities and neighborhoods. Um, so what they did was they came up with something called Rainbow Mutual, and people who are LDS know that Mutual is a gathering of... Uh, of young people, usually, that the church encourages. Um, So they kind of turned it on its head and created Rainbow Mutual, which is a gathering of LGBT kids um, to get together, and parents can come or not, um, kind of try to be wallflowers and let kids be kids and have their social experience. Um, So, and they, and it turned out that it was, it did uh, provide a huge amount of social support for the kids, a place where they could feel like they could be themselves and they were a welcome part of the group. Um, and it also did something for the parents, where the parents were meeting each other. And so they really did build this sort of community for themselves. Let's take another break. I want to, when we come back, I want to hear a couple of clips from the film. We'll be, we'll be screening the film out here. Um, it's about LGBTQ um, individuals farming. So this will be, uh, I guess interesting to, to to gene and darren um and uh, we'll be screening that film and we'll have a panel discussion uh gene hebner and uh darren wold will be on the panel brion nelson who's with us will be on that panel as well and uh, we invite you to uh, to stay tuned uh the uh, upr original series lgbtq off the grid uh, produced and hosted by andrea smartin who's with us uh is ongoing through mid-march and the latest episode of that uh, series 
is uh, premiering in All Things Considered this afternoon, and you'll also hear it tomorrow morning in Morning Edition. Uh, I believe we'll hear an episode of uh, of the series t- uh, tomorrow night as well at the event. So the event is uh, tomorrow night, um, uh, 5 o'clock, so when the doors open, it's running through the evening. You're invited, and that's on the USU campus at the Lundstrom Student Center. More following this break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Uh, we are talking about LGBTQ issues, especially in rural areas of uh, Utah. And uh, we hope you're tuning in for the UPR original series, LGBTQ Off the Grid. And uh, that is uh, produced and hosted uh, by our partner for this series, Andrea Smartin, who we have with us. So she is host of Changing Our Stories podcast. You can find that podcast at changingourstories.org. Uh, Andrew Spartan joins us on the phone. We also have with us uh, several panelists who will be appearing at an event, a UPR event in conjunction with LGBTQ Off the Grid. That's happening tomorrow night, Thursday night, beginning at 5 o'clock in the Lundstrom Student Center on the USU campus. You're invited and we'll be screening the documentary film Out Here. It's about LGBTQ individuals uh, and families in the farming community. Uh, and then we'll have a panel discussion about LGBTQ issues, especially in rural uh, Utah. We have with us uh, Gene Hibner and Darren Wold. They're a married couple who are dairy farmers uh, in Menden. And uh, we have with us Brion Nielsen, doctoral student working with Dr. Ann Austin in the USU Center for Women and Gender. So let's hear a clip from the film out here. Um, and this one talks about identity. And this is, let me look at my notes uh, here. Uh, this is uh, Courtney and Denise, a couple, and they have a son uh, whose name is uh, Merrick. And uh, so let's, let's uh, they're in Kansas. Let's hear a bit from this. How do you all identify? Um, I'm mom and she's ma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what people usually what do you want mean? to know when they're more like, I mean, any ways you identify that you feel like are important. Um, I'm Courtney. <laughs> we just, I mean, mostly we just identify as a family. You know, I mean, we just, this is the core of who we are. We're a family and we take care of each other. We have many more straight family friends now than when we were a couple without a child. I mean, I think more than moving out here was having a son compromised our queer community. We have more in common with straight families and straight couples since we've had a child than I ever really realized before. And so it's just easier to have community with people that you have a similar philosophy with rather than a common sexual orientation style <laughs> choice I hate that I hate that too I do too so that's Courtney and Denise they're out in uh, Kansas they're farming out there uh, I wonder if uh, any of that resonated with you, uh, Gene. What uh, yep. this idea? You know, we all wear a lot of hats, as it were. We all have a lot of identities. What's what? What do you want people to identify you? Uh, that jogged my memory again. Um, and besides that, you'll notice I'm a talker. Darren's yeah. quieter, and I yammer all the time. Uh, poor him. Um, when we got married, it was Christmas Eve. Um, 
2013 when it was made legal by the Judge Shelby's uh, order. Um, anyway, we went to the courthouse, and of course, Cache County had closed the courthouse for a day, and so we had to wait till the 24th. And uh, a nice pastor, Derek, from the Presbyterian Church was there. We got our license, and he married us, and we were being filmed, which I always thought was quite ironic because it went on Fox News. Um, but anyway, uh, fine, things went along. The next time we had a meeting of Organic Valley producers, which is who we sell our milk to, um, several people said, congratulations, Gene and Darren. They had seen us on Fox News um, because dairy farmers are not notoriously liberal, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they were very warm and supportive, and these are all good Mormon families that we get along well with, and as a matter of fact, we're actually probably taking one of those families with us to Italy next year for a visit. Oh, oh really? Okay. Um, so they've been very, they were very, very supportive, and you know, uh, that that was interesting. Yeah. What would you say, Darren, about this uh, this idea of identity and what you know? It's a, we are each of us many things, but and we then, are. But people assign different. You know, they, they I guess some people choose to pull out one or more of those things, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. I, I, nowadays I, I, I identify as a gay man and I'm proud to be a gay man, but, but nowadays I, I more identify as a dairy farmer. Uh, that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. The, the, the gay man comes second. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of that had to do with marriage. I'm sorry to keep popping yeah. in here. But once we got married, marriage was not that important to me, really, for a long time. But once we were able to get married and got married, it made us more together, and it made it a lot easier with the state planning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, so marriage was a big threshold, I guess. It, it was. was. Yours as well, Darren. Um, so, Brion, what, what would you say to this, you know, with the people you talk to, the yeah, so I was able to preview the film, and that was a strong theme to me, was this notion of <clears throat> identifying more strongly as a farmer, identifying more strongly with the land, the crops, the animals that they worked with, than with their sexual identity. And so I spoke with a friend of mine who is originally also from <clears throat> rural Utah and now lives <clears throat> in Manhattan. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we talked about this notion of identity, and he he was really intrigued by this as well and said, you know, why is it that we f almost force people to identify as by your sexual orientation or even by your religious orientation instead of allowing them to kind of express this is how I identify. These are the elements of my life that are most important to me. Um, and yes, it may happen that I, I identify as this as well, but this is the core of who I am. And obviously that's going to be different for each individual. Some people are going to identify very strongly with their sexual identity. Some are going to cling very strongly to their religious identity. And for others, it may be more like their chosen profession in life and that's really who they are it may have to do with their family however they define that and and who they are and so that's just something that I walked away from the conversation with personally was this desire to be more open and allowing each individual regardless of their many multiple identities to kind of define that for themselves and to just ask the open question tell me about yourself who are you and and let them fill in those blanks and and be open to that mm-hmm 
Uh, Andrew, I wonder what you would say to the people you've been talking to for this series or otherwise. Uh, conflicts on identity and especially how uh, living in a rural place might affect that. Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm really interested in what your guests have to say on that, because um, I, I find that really uh, compelling. And I think I've encountered this a lot in my reporting when I do LGBT stories, especially here in Utah, as folks say, like um, people I've talked to in Provo, say, I'm not just going to, I'm not going to pick up and move to San Francisco. Like, I'm not going to fit in there, <laughs> right? It may be a big gay scene, but they they have no idea about my Mormon background or, you know, that part of me, and it's not going to be a, a community where I feel like I fit in. So I'm, I'm really curious about these more rural or more isolated areas, if it, um, and, and, and uh, was it uh, Gene who said he grew up there, um, and then does that change those relationships where people see you as this multifaceted person, as belonging, as being part of the community? in a different way than you might get in sort of a urban area where you're just kind of, and then there, maybe there's a big gay scene and you just sort of drop yourself into it. I wonder if it, if it changes those relationships and your role and um, identity in the community. I would think so. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was born there, raised there. We're the last dairy farm in Menden. Um, and, uh, with age now, I have. We, I'm secretary of the irrigation company, so that entails a lot of. You need knowledge, and people need me for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it. Uh, the the, I don't think I would be comfortable in, say, San Francisco, um, Rome maybe, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Andrea, I wonder, um, so we, we've heard, you know, some some stories uh, here, you know, uh, Gene and Darren, uh, their stories haven't gone to the, you know, complete dark side that we've sometimes heard, you know, the homeless and, and uh, totally lacking uh, services and, uh, and uh, some of the other uh, dark stories, but still difficulties. I wonder the, the people you're talking to, Andrea, um, are, are those stories in general changing, or do we still have pretty severe problems, especially in rural areas? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I, I, I painted this picture of St. George, and I realized that um, uh, it's only it's sort of only one sort of angle into it. <laughs> um, and there was one person that I talked to, a young uh, transgender person who had uh, a top surgery, um, who was um, going from female to male, uh, who um, was, I think, age 14 or some, some young teenage, and, and, and was feeling fine about this in St. George, like completely happy with the decision. Um, his family was happy with it. I'm sorry, I'm not sure which pronoun to use at this point. Um, and, uh, and, and I know that there's an art school in Ivins, Utah, that a lot of kids, there's certain schools where kids know if they go, it's sort of a friendly environment. So um, there's, uh, there's all kinds of things going on simultaneously, right? So there are these shifts happening, and there's shifts happening in the larger culture that do affect these areas. Um, so, 
so yes, I, I do see it's, it's sort of all of the above. You know, the isolation is still there, but then there's um, there's always people. People are always have this um, this sort of survival instinct to reach out and try to find community. So that's what I've been sort of trying to trace in all of these stories: is how do they do that for themselves? And and they and you know when you seek it, it comes right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we're, we're running out of time here, just uh, maybe uh, for, I guess, 30 seconds each. Uh, start with Brian. What would you, what do you hope the takeaway is on this discussion? I, I think my hope is that through, you know, this, this podcast series, the event tomorrow night, <clears throat> and all of these conversations, my hope is that for people who are out there, again, I come from an ally perspective, and I think we need allies um, to help with these these individuals. And my perspective is, can we come to the table and be open? Are we willing to listen? <clears throat> In my conversation with my friend who's transgender um, last night, she really expressed that for her, um, the thing that helped her most in kind of finding her community again was people who were just willing to listen, but also were willing to share their personal stories. You know, we all have them. Some of them involve sexual identity and some of them don't, but everyone has their battles. And so being willing to be open with one another about that and create these spaces where we can be a support to one another, um, that's kind of the message that I would hope that people would find because I think a lot of people don't know how to be supportive of individuals who identify as LGBTQ. And I think that's an easy first step, you know, realizing that maybe their battles look a little different from yours, um, but the need for support is universal. Mm. Um, uh, Gene, I'm, I'm not sure, if, you know, 30-second last word here. Um, if you're young, you can make it. Um, find some good friends. Um, and if you're lucky in life, you'll find a husband or a wife, someone that you can go through life with, and that is three-quarters of the battle. Because, mm-hmm. But find some friends, and it's okay. You know, you get old, <laughs> and you're still gay, and that's okay. Um, we're just like everyone else. But find those people to help you. Mm. Darren, you agree with that? Mm. I, I do. I do. Yeah. And uh, Andrew, just uh, 30 seconds. What's, uh, what's your takeaway from the discussion today? Um, I am just inspired by the community building that people are doing. Um, I, it's, I think it's important to look for it and highlight it when it happens. And that's what we're trying to do here. So, uh, Good job, Utah Public Radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and good job uh, to you, Andrew Smartin. Andrew Smartin is producer and host of Changing Our Stories podcast and a host of the UPR original series, LGBTQ Off the Grid. The next episode in the series premieres uh, this afternoon, and you'll hear it uh, tomorrow uh, morning as well. And then it goes uh, through uh, mid-March. Um, and uh, there's an event tonight, LGBTQ Off the Grid community event. That is uh, not tonight, tomorrow night, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, tomorrow night, beginning at 5 o'clock, uh, Thursday night uh, in the Lundstrom Student Center, and everyone is invited uh, to that event. Uh, so we've uh, also had on the panel here, they'll be on the panel tomorrow, Gene Hibner and Darren Wold. They're a married couple who are Cash Valley dairy farmers and have joined us, and I guess on to uh, dairy business after you leave here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And um, Brion Nielsen is doctoral student working with Dr. Ann Austin in the USU Center for Women and Gender. Thanks. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Access Utah.
Support for the UPR original series LGBTQ Off the Grid is made possible in part by our members and Utah State University's Center for Women and Gender, striving to create a professional and social climate focused on enhancing opportunities for women and men. Information at womenandgender.usu.edu and the USU Access and Diversity Center, providing leadership for positive change that creates a campus and community environment that respects and embraces diversity, equity, and inclusion. Accesscenter.usu.edu.